people turn to the Weather Channel app for their weather forecasts every day. But what if the app could forecast more? Like allergy risk trackers and real-time rain alerts. So you know when to stay inside, load up on tissues and podcasts. And 24-hour future radar. So you can plan to get outside, load up on sunscreen and podcasts. Do more of what you love. Don't just check the weather. Embrace it with the Weather Channel. Have you guys noticed that you can't go anywhere without seeing designer this or designer that, even designer furniture? On my social feeds and celebrity homes, it's everywhere. Have you seen how expensive these are? Well, if you want the sofa or recliner or bed that broke the internet, you don't have to go broke to get it. Because Designer Looks Furniture has all the same styles and trends, but without the designer prices. Oh, and they're well-made, too. It's the whole package. Check them out. Designer Looks at Value City Furniture or designerlooks.com. Coast to coast, border to border, and around the world, it's time for The Bill Alexander Show. The Bill Alexander Show is a guest-driven program where the topics are diverse and entertaining. Laugh and learn while you listen to one of the best hours of online radio. Now, here's your host, Bill Alexander. Hi, everyone. Yours truly, William Eric Alexander. All my friends call me Bill, and welcome to The Bill Alexander Show Today is going to be a treat for you because trust me, it's a treat for me because as soon as you see this woman, you are going to know who she is, what she's been in, and it's going to be all these memories flooding back to you from your childhood or from uh, whenever you've seen her films. Dee Wallace, (laughs) thank you very much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Uh, I'm happy to be here, Bill. It is so great to have you on the program. As I said uh, you played Mary in the movie E.T., which is probably one of the first films that we really saw you in that featured you and an alien that was a total groundbreak in a, a movie genre that I don't think we were ever familiar with. Well, we'd seen a lot of aliens, but we hadn't seen a lot of nice aliens. That's true. So. Yeah. E.T., do you consider that your big break working with Spielberg? Uh, Spielberg? Oh, no. I I think my big break was uh, probably 10 with Blake oh, Edwards. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, and, and again, for those of you not familiar, that, that was the movie with Bo Derrick in it also. That yep. uh, a lot of us remember Bo running down the beach. and Yes, I bet the- you do. <laughs> I think probably most of the guys remember Bo a little more than they remember. Yes, me. that's true. I forgot <laughs> about that. That's right. So, so what made you want to get into working as an actress in films and everything else? What, what got you involved um, in that? I was born. <laughs> well, that's one good thing. Okay. I'm telling you, I, I was just, I was always called to be creative. So okay. I started out as a dancer. That's really oh, I what I wanted. That's really okay. what I wanted to do. But I'm built like a gymnast. So I wasn't probably going to go very far as a, a ballet dancer, although I did solo with a couple of companies in the Midwest okay. uh, in my early days. And my mother, you know, I come from a very very poor household. So my mom and dad got me started in modeling uh, at a very 
young age so I can help pay the bills, really. <laughs> and so I just was always kind of comfortable in the spotlight. And as long as I was doing something creative, I was happy. And the same goes for today. I just want to be creating, whether it's writing my books or doing movies or directing or whatever it is. I just want to create. That is fantastic. So we were talking before you came on that it is the 40th anniversary of ET this year, yeah. which has to be amazing to you to remember. I mean, that movie, again, Steven Spielberg, groundbreaking film, still has staying power to this day because I think the message is oh, still yeah. important. Oh, yeah. It, it, it's our Wizard of Oz. It's going to go on forever, guys. That is a great analogy. I would have never. Yeah. Uh, and and you it's had because of the message. You're right, yeah. Bill. It's, it's a heart message. It reaches into our hearts and reminds us of the truth of what's important which boy, do we need to remember these days. Huh? Yeah. And you, you worked with this very young lady by the name of Drew Barrymore that no one really knew who she was and look what she has turned into 40 years later. Did, when you worked with her, did you see this? Oh yeah. This bright light. Oh yeah. She, um, the first day on the set, I was sitting in my very tall director's chair and she came up and looked at me and she said, hi, Dee, I'm going to sit on your lap now. <laughs> and I said, okay, Drew, come on up. You know, she was, we always knew she was going to direct. <laughs> she was directing all of us on the set. So. Okay. Um, so the, the whole premise of that movie was very, I guess, I don't want to say new, but it was different because you were a single mother, right? Yes. And you I had was the these first two kids. single mother on screen. Okay. And I mean, that was something we were not familiar with because we were familiar with what we considered the nuclear family, mom, yep. dad, and two kids. Leave it that, to Beaver. Yeah. yeah. The, and, and that wasn't you. Did you feel extra pressure on yourself for that? Because not you were actually, you were never, actually showing. Never occurred to me, Bill. You know why? Because. I was largely raised by a single mom. Really? Um, oh, yeah. My dad was a severe alcoholic most of my life and ended up um, committing suicide in my high school years. Oh. But he wasn't able to work. Um, okay. He couldn't hold a job. So I watched my mother uh, valiantly raise all three of her kids and taught us integrity and love and um, strength. And so playing Mary for me was a natural. When, when people see you on the street, do that, is that who they recognize you as, as being Mary, the mother from ET? It depends where I'm at. Okay. Uh, at Disneyland. Yes. Oh, really? Uh, at the conventions, oh my God, you're Donna from Cujo. <laughs> okay. You know, or oh, you're Karen from The Howling. So yeah. uh, it depends on what demographic you're, you know, circling in at the time. 
so speaking of those types of things, do you do a lot of those those Comic Cons where you go out and meet the fans of these movies? I and, do, and, and I really like doing them. I do about five or six a year, and I do several with the two boys from ET. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. And and when you do these, um, do how are ma- more male than female, more female than male, mixed that come up to get autographs or get pictures oh, or whatever it may be? Even, Is even really- across the board. And at every con that I do, I'll have a four-year-old at my table and I'll have a 90-year-old at my table. And that has to say something to you that your work has been able to carry yeah. across that 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 uh, age, that that yes, it does. demographic over those. And decades. let me tell you, all the four-year-olds aren't there because of ET. A lot of those four-year-olds are horror buffs already. So <laughs> they're there because of Cujo and the Howling. <laughs> yeah, I look at their moms and dads sometime, and it, guys. You question to go on, wait a minute here. But, you know, if you're groomed at an early age just to know it's a movie, it's not a big thing. Me, I still have a hard time watching a horror movie. I can do them, but to I am such a wuss to watch them. I'm wussy. It's true. That 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 is a great point. So when you shoot a horror film, and I've never been in a film in my life, so I wouldn't know this. It's done in bits and pieces. Not until it hits the editor is when they put in the suspense, what we'd like to say. They, they're the ones manipulating oh. it. So you really have no idea what's happening other than what you read in the script, right? Well, you have a, I mean, that's my job is to have a good sense of the overall story and the highs and the lows and where to play the tension and where to play okay. the emotion, you know, but you have to understand that doing a horror film is a very technical thing. So, okay. Can you lay like, really still while we drip the blood down here? <laughs> right. And, yeah. and uh, I mean, I was trained very early how to use a gun on set and all the safety protocols, uh, dogs in Cujo. There were 13 dogs that played Cujo. They were all playing, uh, trained to go after toys, and we had to tie their tails down so they wouldn't wag them because they were all going <laughs> after toys. I never so, thought of that. Yeah. Uh, you know, the howling, the big attack scene where I'm frozen watching, nothing there. Yeah. All I heard was Joe Dante going, okay, now he's getting bigger. Whoops, there his ears. You know, what would you rather work with? Would you rather work with children or would you rather work with animals? Because we've always heard those are the two things you never want to work with. Yeah, well, I wouldn't have had a career, would I? (laughs) That's true. That's very Um, true. You know, I love working with both. I do. I love working with kids, especially kids as good as the kids that I have gotten to work with. I mean, brilliant actors in their own right. And I adore animals. The hard thing for me when I do uh, something with an animal is 
we're not allowed to touch them and bond oh. with them. I just want to get down and love on him and pet him. And we can't do that. Yeah. That that just amazes me whenever you work with animals because of how well trained they are. But yet they have oh. to pay the play these vicious beasts that in reality, if you sit and think about it, you know that it's not. But you let yourself get taken away when you're sitting in that dark room and you're watching this and you can imagine these things coming at you, especially like in Kuja. Um, well, that's the magic of the movies, baby. Yeah. You know, yeah. it, they just transport us somewhere else. I, I just went to see my first movie since the pandemic. Okay. And it was so nice to be in the theater again. I went to see Dog. How was that? I've heard mixed uh, reactions. It was not at all what I expected from the previews. Okay. And I loved, I really loved the story, the journey of him and the, the bonding. dog. Yeah. Well, not only the bonding, but the main character and the dog, it's a journey of how they're both finding out who they are. Okay. That's, that's, that's interesting. I have not, I'll be honest with you. I have not been, actually, that's not true. I've been to one movie since the pandemic and that was the Ghostbusters afterlife that I saw because I was a big Ghostbusters fan when I was a kid. So I, my 17 year old son said, dad, we need to go see this. And I'm thinking, okay. I mean, it's my excuse to go back to the movies again, which was great. <laughs> so the movie the one of the movies that I, I really think scared the heck out of me was the movie Critters. Well, you're when just you... a little wussy, aren't you? <laughs> I'm not a big fan of horror films. That's one of the problems. But when you did Critters, I mean, I understand how movies are made now. Everything is CGI. No, Were not they... everything. Not everything. But when you did that, when you were working with the critters were they yeah. cgi or were there actually models there you were oh no with? no we worked with real models um that were incredibly well made i might say they hadn't finished the really big huge critter okay uh, so there's one scene where he comes up and the big critter peeks his eyes in one of the windows because that's really all they had right um and a lot of the little critters were kind of little spongy things. And we would be all in this hysterical, you know, place getting ready to do this big scene. And we'd hear, okay, roll them in. <laughs> and they'd roll these little critters across the path, right, for us to react to. That's what I mean. You know, when you do them, you're you're dealing with so many facets that are funny, that are technical, right. that you just um, it's a challenge sometimes to get because into the emotion of it. Yeah. With that movie Critters, and I and I and I'm trying to go back many years ago, is that was one of the films that Cisco and Ebert gave two thumbs up to as a horror suspense film which well, for they them, better so give two thumbs up to every <laughs> freaking one of my horror movies 
because How can that you was... not give two thumbs up to Cujo? Oh, well, I, 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 hey, I agree. And with the you. howling. Was... I mean, come on, give me a break. The howling, I wasn't able to sleep a few nights after that one. I remember that one very well. well too. I did my job well then. Yes, yes, you did. You uh-huh. did it very well. So, you not only have you done movies, you've also done a lot of uh, TV work. Yeah. Um, which would you rather do? Would you rather do movies. TV? Really, movie? Why? Well, not in the olden days. I loved to in the olden days. I loved to go from TV to movies to TV to movies. But television has changed a lot in the last few years. The producers or the writers, uh, everything's very sacrosanct. Uh, they don't really give you a lot of room to bring in your ideas. Okay. Uh, which is where all the magic happens, you know. And every major director that I have ever worked with, Spielberg, Blake Edwards, Peter Jackson, Lewis, Joe Dante, all of them, the more you brought in, the happier they were. And, And when things happen in the moment that even surprised you, like, I'll give you a great example in the uh, dinner table scene at ET, uh, during E.T. Yeah. You know, Stephen would whisper little things to the kids and that would keep them all off balance and in the moment. And, and I remember, like it's yesterday, sitting there and my energy is very, very, very high. And... Henry Thomas looks at me and he says, he's in Sally, he's in Mexico with Sally. Uh And I felt the tears coming up and I thought, I can't let my kids see me cry. And I got up and left. And after the scene was over, Stephen came over and said, Dee, why did you get up and leave? And I explained to him what happened to me as Mary. And in that moment, he brought everybody back in. They built a, a kitchen cabinet with a sink with running water so he could follow me over to the sink and then have me turn around into that big close-up where I says he hates Mexico. And it all happened like that because, because, of, because of Mary. Because Mary could not let her kids see her cry. That is, I I would have, unless you would have told me that, I would have never known that. That is, that is, that is something that they give you, at least Spielberg gave you the opportunity Uh, to be in the moment. Every great director, every great director does that because they know that's, that's, I have stories like that from Blake Edwards. I have stories like that. Uh, Peter Jackson, uh, we were in the middle of the scene in The Frighteners, you know, when we were trying to find this this scene and he broke the set and all of a sudden I went, oh, Peter, I've got it. I've got it. And he didn't say, well, tell me. He just said, come on back, everybody hurry up, come back. All right. Roll it. Let's. And that's when we got that moment of I'm in the mood for a little vivisection, <laughs> right? It's yeah. 
it just happens. The big, huge close-up that I have in 10, watching Dougley play. Yeah. They had already broken camp and were moving to the next shot. And I was just sitting there as D listening to Dudley play. And he played so beautiful, beautifully. And I was so overtaken with emotion. And Blake walked by and took one look at me and went, everybody get back here. We've, we've got to do a close up on D. And that's how it, that's how that got into the film. You have worked with some amazing directors. I have. I, and and it and not just once, multiple times, and not many people can say that. Do you have a favorite director that you've worked with, or are they all your favorite? I. There are a lot of my favorites. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. that that to me is just amazing, and not only that, you've also worked with some pretty amazing actors working. Uh, not against you but with you in movies is there anybody in particular that you well i adored deadly more okay i just adored him um he was kind he was so talented i spent my whole time just trying to keep up with him because he never stuck to the script you know he was all i remember this one scene that we finished and of course blake wrote the script and he was watching the monitor and nobody said anything until Blake spoke after the shot. And all of a sudden we heard, well, I don't know who the hell wrote it, but we're going to print it (laughs) (laughs) because we had just improv all over the place. That's what I was going to ask you. So if you have, if you have a script that you're ready to do and you have an actor like Dudley Moore go off script, and ad lib, how do you react to them, or do you just play along with them? Who, me as an actress? Yeah, you and yeah, you as an actress. Well, you have to play along with them. Does I mean, that... you, you don't have a scene if you don't play along with them. And so he would do something, and that would spur me to do something, and which would spur him to do something, you know. And we did stay loosely around the script. Right that was written but you know we knew that blake trusted us enough that if we got a hit to do something it was okay and and i i feel sorry for some of the younger actors now in in tv that that don't have that freedom and, and I was just going to say, because when you're in that moment, that has to be one of the most creative moments to be able just to react and not worry about oh my where God. you're going. That's where the gold is yeah. for the editor, for the cinematographer, for the actors, for the director, for the editor. If you don't have any freedom to bring in your own creativity and your own what I call hits, you it's just it's just the magic doesn't happen the same way yeah it just doesn't um i on a personal on my side my son is a graduate in college he's graduating in a theater program and he's in musical theater 
And this weekend, he is going to SETC in Tennessee to audition for all these major theaters across the country because he loves doing live performance. Yeah. And he's done the he's done the uh, auditions for cruise ships and everything else. And we're I'm driving him to the airport tonight after you and I get done. But what's interesting about it is he says the same thing. He says the most creative time he has on stage is when you're able to react to somebody and not worried. And it becomes natural. It becomes a natural yeah. emotion. And it and it's it's more than acting. And I was just wondering if it felt the same way to you, because from what I'm hearing, yeah. it sounds that way. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're alive in the moment as the character. That wasn't Dee that got up and left the dinner table. No, that was Mary. That was Mary. Yeah. You know? Um, and, and, and you and you've you've done a lot of TV recently within the last uh so yeah. many years, and you've done a lot. Do you feel stifled when you do TV? Do you feel that sometimes that depends on the set that I'm on, but oftentimes, um I mean, on a lot of the shows now, the producers sit in their office and watch the filming on monitors and then give the director the notes and then the director gives them to us. Do you feel that a lot of the creativity is being sucked out of the industry because of that? They're looking more of a bottom line. I wouldn't use the word sucked out of the industry. I don't think you can ever take the magic out of our industry. But I think, what what are the right words? Diminished. Okay. That some of the magic is diminished. Now, the other thing, okay, so let's go to the other end of the spectrum. You've also done soap operas too. Yes. How do you compare soap operas to a TV drama to a movie? Uh, doing the soap opera was the hardest thing I've ever done. And why is that? Uh, because of the intensity of the time. And I mean, you have these humongous amount of lines to learn. And the challenge is that you have to say the same thing two or three or four times in different scenes that you're saying the same thing, but you're saying it a little bit differently mm-hmm. and repeating it. And your brain goes, no, I already said that. <laughs> Not, why am I saying this again? Right. And, um, but I, I have to say that, um, the producers that I worked with on, on my soap were very generous in letting me play a little bit. Okay. Now, one of my favorite roles that you did on TV is governor Catherine Hazelwood on my name is Earl. My God. (laughs) I barely remember that. Oh because my God. working on that program had to be just, I mean, because I could see a lot of that being ad-libbed in the moment too, because of the people you were working with. So my question is, would you rather do comedy, drama, suspense, horror? What is the one genre that you love to do the most? Uh, 
Because you can do everything from what I've seen. I, I do do everything. I just finished yeah. a romantic comedy and then went into a family film. And in the romantic comedy, there was some delicious humor. We just had a great time. Um, but I think my preference for sure is drama or horror. Okay. I just, I'm blessed with a really full emotional life. And I love to play big arcs where I start one place yep. and then go across this huge arc and end up somewhere else. Like the Frighteners, I started as a victim and ended up as a mass murderer, you know? And um, Cujo, huge arc to play here, huge arc. Um, almost all the horror that I've, I've done, I, I just really like to use all the emotions that I am blessed with being able to tap into. That's interesting. Now, again, doing the horror, doing the drama, doing the suspense. If someone came to you and said, Dee, we have a TV idea for you and we want to focus you as the main character, would you do it? Well, that depends on what the script is, what the idea is, who the producers are, what the character stands for. If they just said, you want to do a lead in a, a film or you want to do a lead in a right. television show, I'd go, I don't know. What is it? Let me yeah. read it. I mean, when they offered me E.T. and Stephen offered it to me, I didn't audition for it. Oh, wow. Okay. I said to my agents, well, wow, that's awesome. But I have to read the script. They went, D, it's Steven Spielberg. And I said, exactly. I have to know that I can tap into uh -huh. that character in that story and do my best for Steven Spielberg. If, if I can't feel her, it's an injustice to me and to him to take the part. And I would say that you did feel her by the time you were done. With oh, her. the minute I read her. <laughs> Are you kidding? Melissa Madison wrote such an amazing script mm -hmm. for us, as we all know, even today. Because, and, and actually, um, one of the things I, it literally shocked me when I saw you, because I'm a big fan of the program, is you were on NCIS. Oh, and yeah. You sh and it was like, wait a minute. I know who that is, but what is she? Anyhow, but it was because you're, you, you, when you show up in places we don't expect you, it's interesting because now it's pushing our mindset of what characters you can play. And so far, like I said, you can pretty much play everything. I don't think I've seen you in anything that you haven't been able to do. Well, I don't do queens and royalty really well. Really? I'm more of a, yeah, I'm more of a gritty kind of girl. So, so you, yeah, put me in, tap it in a crown. And I mean, I suppose I could find that in me, but right. not as easily as I could find a mother defending her kid against a rabbit dog. <laughs> 
that's good. I like that. Um, so for my audience, they don't know this, but you do that. This interview has actually been postponed multiple times because of I'm your filming. Sorry, st- I'm sorry, that's, Bill. that's perfectly fine. Your <laughs> filming schedule has gotten so busy over the last few months. How many different projects were you working on at the same time? Um, well, not at the same time, but one after another, after another, I would get ready to finish one and I'd get an offer for another one. I mean, you know, I'm a really great creator. Uh, I have a whole healing practice that teaches you how to create everything in your life you want. So I think I've done five films in a row now Mm -hmm. that are in post-production. Now, as I've asked other people that I've talked to recently, are these for the big screen? Are these for streaming services? What are they? For? Are I don't they- know where they're going to come out. Though. Oh, okay. I just, I just read the script. If I like the script and I love the part and they pay me well, <laughs> and I find, you know, through my research, I see that they're creative people and that they're nice people. You know, life's too long to work with the apples for me anymore. I just don't oh, I get it. it. Yeah, yeah. It's just uh, I don't want to do it. So, um, so now I don't remember what your question was. <laughs> <laughs> no, with the films that you're doing, because we've we've seen a big uptick of the streaming services over the last few yeah. years. That pretty much every one of your movies that you've done has been on one of the streaming services do you feel the streaming services are basically giving you an extended life in the i think they're giving everybody an extended life i mean the more product there is out there the more opportunities there are for all kinds of creative people Mm -hmm. so um you know i did a uh, my uh, fanboy 13 came out uh, last, yeah. I guess it was the last fall. Um, and I just got a message that uh, uh, from the director, producer, Deborah Voorhees, that it's number three, Amazon picked it up, and oh, it's wow. number three on the new horror releases. So you never know where they're going to end up. You just go in and do your very best job that you can do. And sometimes it's in a studio film that takes a dive and never gets out there. And sometimes it's in a little independent film and people find it and it takes off. Your job is just to do a good job. That's the way I look at it. Is there a film that did not do as well as you thought it should have? that did not get the exposure that should have gotten, but it was a much better film than the way it was. Oh, the Frighteners for sure. And And see, we, the Frighteners was supposed to come out on Halloween, which it should have. Right. But there was another big picture that wasn't completed. And so they put the Frighteners in with the rest of the summer blockbusters and it got lost. I think Peter should ask Universal to release it mm-hmm. again at Halloween. 
and you feel that that would be the better time for it and you would have a larger audience for it. Well, yeah, it's a horror film. <laughs> well, I've seen horror films do well in August too, but again, that's just yeah. that's just sure. depending on how they're marketed and everything else. But not it's, along with all the major big blockbusters. Right. You know? So, is is there a film that did extremely well that you thought shouldn't have? No. Okay. Everyone. Not of mine. Every, okay, that's what I was going to ask. Is every one of yours? Because again, I, I I just think it's interesting that you, you when you take work and what's nice about your you're able to read a script and you can say yes or no to it, you can deny it, you can accept it, and you can make the decision if you want to be a part of it. And I'm sure that you've read some really bad scripts over the years that you go, no, this isn't me. Oh yeah. And, and I'm sure oh, yeah. the directors and the producers I, go, come on, D, we want you to do this film because we need your name. Well, yeah. Howling 2, they sent me. I read it and I went, don't do nudity like this, guys. This is not what I do. Okay. And this is not representative of Howling 1 to me. Right. So, so yeah. So I said no. So when you when you do these and you do these films, are there were there certain things that you wouldn't do, like you said with Howling Two, you wouldn't do the nudity, or it wasn't? Yeah, I don't do nudity a lot. I don't. I don't think that's what my fans think I'm. Okay. Think I'm about. Um, I don't have any problem swearing on screen. I think everybody knows that by now. <laughs> um, you know, and I, I mean, I'm very cognizant that I'm playing a part and that I'm not really representing who I am when I have an extramarital affair, which okay. I would never do in real life right. on screen, right? So, but there's some lines I just won't cross. Right. Now I'm looking, there are 10 films that are in post-production right now. Are you on IMDb? <laughs> it's a, it's on the left corner of my screen, yeah. Because <laughs> when you mentioned that 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 you've been doing all this work, I'm going, what has she been doing? And and which is the family film that you've done? Um, Cat Claws Mountain, The Legend of Cat Claws Mountain. I don't oh. even know if it's up there yet. Okay, because there are some ones coming up. You play Deanne and Catch a Falling Star. Uh, Captain Michelle Morgan in Final Cut, Helen in Pitchfork, Mrs. Hollowell in Campfire, Incuba, Incubus, The New Beginning, you play Zura Valentine, The Legend of Cat Claw Mountain, Maggie yeah. Porter, Bits, uh, The Fallen One, Homestead, you play Clara, Nix, you play Donna, Stream, you play Linda Spring, and every time a bell rings, which is um, which actually was recently uh, was recently oh on. Yeah. Um, you played beautiful Christmas movie. Yeah. yeah. So again, and then the of... romantic comedy. I guess they haven't posted yet, which is uh, uh, birthday boyfriend is what it's called right now. I think it'll probably be titled. But okay. Um, so, yeah, so I was asking, so when you're not doing films or, or anything in, in acting, which when I look at International Movie Database, there is no way that you've been without work in the last 
I don't know how many years, because every time I see something, it's continual. What do you do when you're not acting? I have a whole healing practice. And I'm a clairaudient it? channel and I do private sessions. I had four private sessions today with people. I have six books. My latest book just came out. It's called Born Giving Birth to a New You, which is literally a primer for the formula for creating anything you want in your life. Oh, and wow. I'm a pretty darn good creator. <laughs> well, I won't argue with that. So this healing practice that you do, what can you give me a, a brief explanation of what you do? Yeah, I teach people how to work with energy and how to take responsibility for their own lives instead of continuing to tell their story, which only keeps them living their story instead of creating the story that they want. So my expertise is being able to look into someone's energy okay. and find out where their blocks are and help them move through that. How difficult is that? Because I can't imagine someone coming in. Easy. Is it really easy? It's easy. And anybody can channel, guys. Uh, but you have to trust. Okay. And you have to ask. Um, my channel really opened up, even though I did a lot. I got a lot of messages when I was a little girl, which I talk about in porn. But basically, anybody can channel. And when my husband died, Christopher Stone, he died very suddenly of a heart attack. I kind of fell to my knees and I said, I don't want to be uh, pissed off and I don't want to be a victim. I right. want a way we heal ourselves. So you see, I was asking. I want a way we can heal ourselves. And in the good book, it says, ask and you receive. But what most people don't understand is ask in the original Hebrew is mm -hmm. claim or demand, which means this will be delivered to me. Oh, interesting. So as soon as I said that, like that, I got my first message. And at that time I had started my acting studio and I would go in and start to watch a scene and start getting all these downloads about where all the blocks were and why they couldn't get to the emotion and when it started and what age and with what parent and you know their lives started to change and then their parents wanted to work with me and then their friends and now I've got clients all over the world. I In a nutshell, that's it. <laughs> You, I mean, again, with, with what you're doing in the film and TV and with, with your, with what you're doing here, how do you have free time? Because it seems like you're constantly moving, which maybe that's what you want to do, but you well, just I, keep. I do. I, I like to be creating like we okay. started it, but I also am very aware that you have to create a balance in your life. So, um, you know, I get up 7.30, 8 o'clock. I start work at nine. 
I have breaks during the day, little breaks during the day. And other than you, Bill, <laughs> I never work past six o'clock. I, I, I don't. I feel honored. I don't you know should. how I, I don't know how I was able to do that, but um, thank you very much for taking this time to be able to do it because I feel special. You should now. be honored because I have a pretty strict rule that six o'clock it's time with my guy. We have dinner together. I have my glass of wine. Wine. <laughs> and and we watch our favorite shows. Well. D, I'm I'm just blown away. I really am because just listening to you talk, such a positive attitude and doing everything that you're doing, is just amazing to me. Because I would feel that you would get to a point where you would want to retire, and I don't what? hear that from you. <laughs> I'm sorry. What? <laughs> what does that word mean? And I don't hear that. Creative people don't retire. Don't retire. I know. Because that. we're not working. Yeah. We're living what we love. So it's not like, oh, let me go to work until I don't have to anymore. Thank God I don't. No. Actors go, when can I go to work? When's yeah. my next job? What can I do? Where where can I act? Right? So no, retire. So with the pandemic that we've dealt with for the last two years, which in this area, um, the two years is um, March 13th is when we went into lockdown here, when we went into self-containment. How did that change what you were doing? Not much. Did it really? When you, when you, let me tell with- you, I got up one morning early in the pandemic and they had shut all the studios. Yes. And I went, holy hell, how am I going to make a living? Mm-hmm. And my channel said to me, the studios are not your living. Your consciousness is your living. Get up every day and say, okay, what can I create today? Mm-hmm. So I did. And I created a short horror film called Stay Home that people can find on YouTube just as a love gift uh, with a lot of my other pretty well-known horror friends uh, as a love gift for uh, the horror fans. It's 20 minutes. My daughter directed it. We did it all by sending GoPro cams to everybody. So they did it in the confines of their house. So it was all COVID safe. Uh, I wrote my book, Born. Um, I actually, one of my last chapters in Born, the channel said, go back and list everything you created in this last year of the pandemic. Bill, I couldn't believe it. I could not believe. And some of the things I created came to me and I didn't even know they were out there. Uh, I don't know if you saw the little clip of Cujo. Yes. In Ghostbusters. Yes, I did. Well, two months into the pandemic, uh, my agent called me and said, you know, Dee, I, I never told you because it never went any further. They called and they wanted to use the clip. I gave them a price. They said, no way. Yeah. Well, they just 
called back and said, okay, the check's on the way. Right. Now, that's, that's what happens when you're in alignment and peace with loving everything you do. It will find you guys. It will find it. And that's what they call miracles. But it really is self-creation. Right. Yeah, I could talk about it all day. It's so exciting to me. Well, it sounds like it is because I've talked to other people this way too. But you're the first one that has explained it to me in a creative aspect. That you're creating your story. You're the one. We're creating the world. Right. Whatever our consciousness sees literally is that what the form that the energy takes. Mm -hmm. So I, I would like to suggest to everybody around the war in Ukraine and Russia, Mm -hmm. focus only on peace, focus only on love, focus only on calm, Mm -hmm. because the more you focus on the drama, the more you create it. And that's brain science. Brain science will tell you whatever you focus on, you create more of. That makes a lot of sense. Because when you focus on stress, you're making more stress. I get it. Absolutely. That's why I, I often say, you know, in Little Shop of Horrors, if nobody, nobody had fed the damn plant, nobody would have been eaten, right? You're, you're exactly right. And, and a the, good analogy. The, and this has nothing to do with anything else. But my daughter, who is 14, her high school is doing Little Shop of Horrors this spring, ah. and she's in it. So, I mean, you just brought this interview in a total full circle here. So I appreciate it. Awesome. Well, I am a channel, you know. <laughs> But D, thank you very much. This was a total pleasure to be able to talk to you. And thank you for working and, and talking with me after six o'clock your time. Because again, I, I feel honored. I feel I feel very, uh, very special because you were able to take this time and talk to me today. Oh, you are special. And the more, you know, all of us can claim how special and amazing we are the more the world becomes an amazing place. Well, Dee, thank you very much. You enjoy that wine. I'm going to, baby. (laughs) I'm going to. Thank you, Bill. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. A big thank you goes out to Dee Wallace for joining me. I really appreciate it. I had a great time talking about her film career, her TV career, and also what she does when she's not working in film and in TV. Guys, thank you very much for watching us. I really appreciate it. And we'll talk to you next time here on The Bill Alexander Show. Thank you for listening to The Bill Alexander Show. The Bill Alexander Show is a million-dollar baby production. For more information, go to thebillalexandershow.com.